Today, I'm pleased to welcome Cam Sloan, who is currently building hopscotch.club, which is a tool that helps you build interactive tours to your product. I've been following Cam for quite some time, and I've been impressed with his consistency and dedication to grow hopscotch. I also love his photography, so we'll talk about that too. Also, I want to learn more about what Cam is up to, things he's doing to grow hopscotch, and anything else that comes up during the, our conversation. Uh, the entire episode is raw and uncut. So welcome, Cam, to the show. Yeah, thanks, Val, for having me. Um, great intro. I don't think I've had such a good <laughs> intro before. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I spent some time writing it. So, <laughs> But we've spoken so many times before, not, not on the podcast, but we had a few calls where we just talk shop and I enjoyed that a lot. So uh, thanks for coming to the show. I want to learn more, uh, you know, how you started actually in all this sort of uh, SaaS building um, game that we're playing, all of us. Yeah, um, I guess it kind of goes back to um, in 2019, around October, I was working with a startup uh, kind of for the, it was the first I don't know, smaller startup, uh, about 30, 40 people that I was working with. Um, prior to that, like I was a web developer there. And then prior to that, I had been a web developer, but in kind of like larger companies. Um, and yeah, it, I kind of like fell in love with that startup-y vibe of just like everything was moving quickly and breaking and, uh, you know, just like uh -huh. it was pretty, pretty raw and exciting compared to like, I don't know, the two-week sprints where you're like... I don't know, measuring out story points for everything, all, all that like kind of like, you know, standard dev shop, agile stuff. Um, and were you guys building products or just client stuff, sort of like an agency? So, yeah, that was a product. It was called Logo Joy. They changed to Luka at one point, but Logo Joy is basically like a, a online um done for you logo maker and so you and mm -hmm. so you can kind of just go and create your own logos programmatically so it was really cool i uh i quite liked working there um kind of a sad ending to uh like the company is still around but at the time that um in it, about october um we had rebranded to Luca, and it was a big lesson in seo because like the company lost so much of their footing on search results um and ended up yeah just not being able to keep the team on um because of oh, it oh man because of that yeah it was a one-time sale wow. product um and so it really mm -hmm. relied on being in those top results um and so what ended up happening was like you go down to the second third page like you just drop your revenue like immensely um with SaaS, you could kind of bear it a little bit longer um but yeah, so that basically <laughs> sent me uh, out the door oh, along cool. with the whole dev team, all the engineers, all the product people. Um, and it was at that point where I was like, okay, do I get another job? Or I had kind of stumbled into the Indie Hackers podcast um, maybe a few months mm -hmm. prior and was really like enamored by the whole idea as I think, I think a lot of us are where you're just like, what? I can make money in my mm -hmm. sleep. And like, it's so <laughs> easy to like, you hear these stories, but as we realize later, it's a lot harder than, uh, or sometimes mm -hmm. it can be than it, it all sounds. But that was kind of the intro. At that point I decided to go 
um, on my own and start freelancing. You know, there's I did some interviewing at, at different places for jobs and uh, nothing really lined up that I was ex- extremely excited about. So, yeah, I decided to like to just go at it on my own and uh, try and do a mix of like freelance and product stuff. That's pretty cool. And before uh, working at these startups, uh, were you sort of, uh, how did you learn coding? I guess that's my, that's my question. Mm, Yeah. So it was like before that I had another career as a a marketer uh, in music marketing. Funny enough, I was uh, marketing for like concerts Um, in Canada. There's the Royal Conservatory of Music uh, is like a primarily classical institution where people go to learn violin and stuff but so they have the school but then they also had this like amazing beautiful concert hall in uh toronto and brought in tons of jazz and classical and world music artists and stuff and so i was doing that it was it was really cool in like one way like when i you know tell people they're like wow that sounds so cool like you're putting on all these shows but um working in the arts was just tough man you're like facing burnout constantly you're working like 80 hours a week because you got to be doing your job but you're also at all the concerts and you know like it's it's kind of uh it's a wild ride uh and so i was trying to look for something that i could like grow into my career a bit more i was pretty stuck and just like i was super busy but i wasn't growing i wasn't like learning and I was just kind of filling the days and and it was getting to me. So I started looking at things I could do. At the same time, I was like playing in a, a band and had like, we needed a website. And and I took that okay. on to like learn some HTML and CSS, primarily with like Bootstrap, you know, the framework at the time. And, and uh, I really liked it. And so I just started... Uh, I don't know, playing around with that more and talking to people about it. And then I ended up getting a, introduced to someone who was hiring like junior developers at a, a charity. So it wasn't like great money or anything, but it was a good opportunity to kind of like learn on the job and, and kind of, so it was a bit, yeah, it was very self-taught and then just like learned on the job uh, and then took it from there. I, I kind of fell in love with programming, to be honest. Like, I don't know, it, it was just like, so much fun solving these problems all all the time uh, compared to what I was doing in my previous work. Yeah, and you get to see results right away. Like, you know, if you want to make something, you know, that you want, you code it up and it works, you know? Like, you don't need that sort of feedback loop if you're designing logos and waiting for the client to come back and change colors and whatnot. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I I actually love it. But I want to go a little bit to Logo Joy because it sort of relates right now what I'm going through. I'm thinking of changing the name of Blockstatic. So my question is, whose idea was to change Logo Joy's name or rather, why change the name? Like what what came about to do that? Yeah, so I think that it was like a good idea. Just maybe we executed poorly on it and mm-hmm. um you know i can't speak to everything because i w- i wasn't on the marketing like side of things or the decision making side so I'll, I'll just speak with like right. what i know but basically i guess just take it with a grain of salt um but pretty much sure. we were looking to get away from just designing logos and just you know making logos to 
becoming more of a design platform. And so the rebranding mm-hmm. from LogoJoy over to what was what is now Luka was intentionally to get away from just the idea of, oh, only logos. And really, so you could like start um, changing your messaging a bit more to be design centric. Uh, and so it was, mm-hmm. yeah, a really like solid um, plan. But then I guess we kind of like, I don't know, rip the bandaid off, as they say, where it's like all or nothing. You kind of went like all at once. And instead of kind of like maybe trying to gradually shift a few pages, see how it goes, see how the SEO like results went, uh, it, it ended up just wow. it was really hard to come back from that. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the the reasoning for doing it. And then um, and yeah, it just kind of had some unfortunate results that I don't know, could have been predicted. Like we knew there was going to be a drop, but mm-hmm. we didn't know it would last so long and be so difficult to recover from. Um, wow. But I actually, yeah. I, like in that process, because um, I learned a lot just being a developer there in that time because you could hear the, um, the re- we would have, you know, we were a small enough company that we would have weekly meetings and everyone would talk about what they w- had done that week or what they were trying. And so, in this kind of state of emergency, I did get to learn uh, just like vicariously uh, uh, through the other teams about how mm-hmm. they were going to plan to like fix the SEO um, challenges they were running into, whether it was on-site stuff or like campaigning to do link building and, and those types of things. Like I got to be a fly on the wall and kind of like learn passively about some of the strategies and see what was working, what wasn't working. But it was kind of my first intro to a lot of that stuff. So I'm actually quite grateful for the uh, opportunity to have like soaked some of that in. And I know that they, over time, did start to rebuild their brand, rebuild rebuild authority on the website, and think uh, things are going along a lot smoother now. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it helps, you know, when you're a sort of a curious person and, you know, you're at a job, you're a developer or whatever other position you're working on, but constantly you're sort of listening to what other departments are doing, you know, even though you might not have a lot of experience in those, because who knows, you know, down the line, <clears throat> excuse me, you may get to do those things, you know, and I think it helps just being curious and asking questions or just being a fly on the wall, like you said, you know, so that's really cool. You got to, I guess, transfer some of those skills or most of those skills on, on hopscotch, you know, which I want to know more sort of, you know, why did you pick that? And, I guess you could probably say what it is first, even though I mentioned it a bit, but for people who are listening that they might never heard of it, uh, if you want to start with just saying what it is and then how you came about doing it. Yeah, for sure. So Hopscotch is a way that you can onboard customers into your application. It's a way that you can educate them on your product um, in complicated apps. You know, it can be tough for customers to get insight into how to use it. Um, And so Hopscotch, you know, uh, many people are familiar with the pattern of product tours or guides that will walk you through how to do uh, certain things in your app. And it, it allows you to do that um, basically with no code. You just drop in the script and then, you know, you're able to kind of start creating these guides. And um, and part of what makes it, um, I don't know, smarter than some of the libraries, like you, you could hand roll this yourself, but there's um, some logic in there of just being able to 
really segment your users and show things at the right time. And I think that's where like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a lot of problems come up with why, like there's a kind of a product tours can get a bad rap sometimes, but I think they're often like in the way they're shown at the wrong time. They don't let you close them. They don't mm-hmm. like, they're not relevant. And if it's not relevant information, then, um, then yeah, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot by having them. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what hopscotch, uh, is and then like how it came about um i actually yeah i i met someone who i was supposed to do some freelancing work for um funny enough and um that side of things didn't work out we ended up getting along pretty well and so i was we were actually looking at uh starting something together so i originally had like a co-founder um on this project on hopscotch and we started prototyping some ideas um actually before prototyping we were just kind of like looking you know every entrepreneur has their like idea book of like product ideas and stuff and it it just so happened that this landed on both of ours um for him he was really like the person who had that problem like in his current um like business that he was building he was trying to onboard users and go find one of these tools and realize like oh my gosh like each of these are like $300 a month and they're, um, you know, complicated to use or they don't even look good. And so that was like his way of leading into it. And for me, I had it on my list. I It was more of a technical um, interest. I was like, oh, there's a lot of things you can learn by like all these wild DOM interactions and all the like, I don't know, all the fun stuff. That was kind of what hooked me in at the start was like, I think it would be mm-hmm. um, an interesting project. And then as I grew more into it and we worked on it more um well he decided to just continue with his business he was not really we were not at the same levels of commitment to like this specific business he already had something else he was running and i decided like i was pretty interested in the problem space and kept running with it i think there's a lot to be done in like onboarding users and getting people up to speed in how to use SaaS applications. There's a whole bunch of um, apps that are just kind of ri- would be way better served by improving their onboarding mm-hmm. rather than just trying to like fill the top of the funnel more. So it that's what kept me going on it, even though it wasn't like a problem I faced um, directly. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it. I mean, I, I love the way it looks, uh, just starting from the website, how it's designed and the product itself. And I was curious, did you design that and code it? Or was the other person, the other co-founder involved in that too? So at the start, yeah, he was the designer. Like he was the product person, product designer. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I was going to be more the technical founder. Um, you know, the classic pair. I think, it, you know, there, it right. would have been a great um, duo in that sense. Um, but then, yeah, he so like the initial website design was him and the initial few screens of um how the product would work was him and i didn't have a ton of product design experience and so i was kind of like i don't know pretty like yeah pretty green in that world and but as soon as he decided to go do his own thing i took on that role and started you know uh yeah just worrying about that stuff on my own like when Mm -hmm. i had to make changes to the website or you know, add new features to the application that landed on me. And I really enjoyed actually learning about that design process. So 
he kind of got me up and running. Like the brand was like his kind of, um, you know, the thing that he brought to the table. And then I kind of have like shifted, tweaked it and ran with it. Um, so I, I was pretty happy to have that as a starting point and a kind of introduction to like what is, yeah, my foray into product design now. That is cool. Like how things, I guess, throughout your career sort of fell on your lap, you know, like as you, as you went along, like here's a, you know, here's like a website that you want to design for the band. And then, you know, let's start with a design firm and then jump into working with a startup and you have your own product and then you're left with having to design it. So that's, that's really cool. You know, honestly, uh, mine wasn't as linear, uh, sort of my, I forced things more than, than that sort of like, I got myself into it, like, oh, let me do this too, which is exhausting, you know, like, I don't suggest everybody do that, but uh, yeah, that's really cool. And the, and the product is more geared towards sort of, um, I guess, B2B maybe, is it? Yeah. In my sort of opinion, or am I wrong in that? Okay. Yeah, you're right. Like, it, it's primarily geared to other SaaS uh, companies that are, yeah, dealing with the same challenges, actually, ironically, mm -hmm. that I am in my SaaS business with Hopscotch. You know, it's like trying to onboard right. new users and stuff. But um, but yeah, it's really um, there. There are some like good filtering criteria for who's who's a good fit for using product tours. You know, I don't think companies that are just getting started, you know, like indie hackers or uh, whatever, mm -hmm. like necessarily need to start with using a product tours. Like I think a lot of what um what's going to get you to that point is talking to more customers understanding how to give good demos because that's kind of you know maybe it's a, a product tour can be a mix of a demo and just like getting users to see the value in your app and if you don't know how to do that like in a non-automated way then it's going to be really hard to mm -hmm. automate right off the bat you need to know what people are trying to do what problem they're trying to solve uh and so yeah, it's um, it's. I would say product tours are more helpful for a SaaS company that is a little bit further along, that is kind of facing the challenges of trying to manually onboard every single customer through demo calls and those types of things. It can be kind of a supportive way to get into product-led growth and uh, self-serve mm -hmm. uh, SaaS. Yeah. And does it uh, offer sort of a email automation sort of like when they hit a snag they can send an email or anything like that no email uh at this point uh you mean like right. for um yeah can you clarify actually please well let's say somebody is you know using a product and they go up to step two or three and then i don't know their internet went down something happened where you sort of catch that they didn't finish their whole demo oh got it, got it. and the application sort of sends them an email telling them, hey, you know, in step four, yada, 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 you do this. It's sort of that thing, you know. Um, I was curious. Yeah, no, I think, you know, there's all sorts of ideas that I have along those lines for making, mm -hmm. uh, making Hopscotch better and just like having these kind of, I don't know, triggers uh, that would kind of catch catch a user at this point. And maybe, you know, if the tour breaks, then give an alert to your team so that you could um you could you know communicate with that customer and kind of reach out and say like hey can we help you out like those kinds of things that mm -hmm. um but i think a lot of what i've been struggling with is like 
try not to build too much like as a product and as a developer person you know like that's my nature is just go build more build more but like Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you know trying to gain more customers before going into that um into those like some of those features is the approach i'm really trying to (laughs) take and just like it takes everything in me not to just go back in and like create some of that Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah it's been really i don't know it's a slow growing business like it's harder than i thought it would be because i was at first i thought oh maybe this is something for indie hackers and it would be like a you know ten dollar a month product to give a a nice um inexpensive option but that's proving you know i've been (laughs) learning a lot about the market and just generally how to you know maybe jobs to be done and like solving problems for people Mm -hmm. and you have to understand like who actually has the problems and and i had have learned over the course of working on hopscotch and working in this space that like the the companies the the shape of company that like generally has this type of problem is is not that and so it's a little more like manual and reaching people at the right time that they're you know willing to integrate new software into their app um yeah i mean in full honesty it's just been tough to grow and so it's hard to justify working on like new features rather than working more on how can we acquire and like how can we get more customers and help more people to to solve this problem no definitely i agree you know like sometimes building even like i'm I'm taking myself as an example sometimes building more features is sort of hiding from uh you know what we should do instead like sort of market and sell and talk to more people and especially not building features that are not coming from clients directly, you know, like nobody asked for it, you know, I guess you could maybe guess or, you know, look at what other products in the industry, similar products are doing, and then maybe adding those features. But if your core base is not asking for those, maybe it's just a waste of time at this point until you grow more. Uh, But I definitely, yes, I see Hopscotch as a sort of a product that the best fit for it would be a company that does maybe 1 million per year, and they're having all these clients, all these new clients that are dropping off. Uh, and if they do sort of get onboarded successfully, it's like a 3% growth for the company, which is huge, you know, at that scale. So, you know, those, those I would, so if it was my product, like that's one thing I would do, like just, you know, go to those. And uh, with that said, sort of like, what are the biggest challenges in selling to B2B? I've been in B2B before, it's super hard. Uh, but I want to hear like sort of what what yours were when you were trying to sell to um, larger companies, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've gone through <laughs> all sorts of uh, approaches here. I think the biggest challenge is, is still to this day is like finding what that channel is like um, and also mm-hmm. a mix of like committing it long enough to a channel that you know it's not the right fit or that it would be the right fit because you know i try doing some direct Mm -hmm. sales direct um messaging to people whether it's linkedin or twitter and outreach like that and um but like you do it for a couple weeks and then you're like oh it's so draining nothing's like coming back from this (laughs) and then you kind of like i don't know can't help yourself but to start trying some some other things and so you go off and like start working a bit on SEO tactics and like content marketing and those things. And and so I think for me, mm-hmm. it's 
probably the biggest challenge has been like finding focus um and and like finding a way to yeah narrow in on a channel and like stick with it um because yeah i like that that's been super hard as a as a solo founder and you're trying to juggle like the product at the same time uh it can be quite difficult yeah especially if you don't know if the you know if you're on the right trajectory you know like you're doing seo but is it the thing that i should be doing you know that's that's my biggest challenge as well you know like knowing knowing that and having to wait a long time before anything sort of works i guess um yeah i've been I mean, in your case, I'm, I'm seeing it a little bit easier. I, I had a project management tool and the decision making was so much different from client to client. In some companies, that would be the owner deciding what product they use to manage their projects. In other ones, developers would influence you know, their, their decisions. So I had all these use cases to, to sort of think through. And when I was talking to them, like, you know, had to use all these different sort of questions and it was exhausting. Um, is that the case with Hopscotch as well when you're talking to businesses? Is it like sort of one profile that makes a decision or is all these different people that uh, come around from case to case? No, that that rings true for Hopscotch as well. Um, okay. Yeah, it's really tough. Like that side of things because, yeah, some come, depending what level you're reaching people at and people start thinking about you know, solving onboarding at different times. And, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's not always the same person. It's not always the founder. It's not always like, because it's kind of this, like, it's not what is, it's not specialized, right? Like it, there, you don't hire necessarily an onboarding specialist as one of your first mm-hmm. hires. <laughs> it's whereas you may hire like a marketing coordinator or you may hire like a product designer or you may hire, you know, and it could, land on those people it could land on the tech side or it could be shared between that responsibility between all those um departments if you even have departments and so yeah that that has been really tough because i'm you know there are people who are like kind of what you want to reach is these people who are like interested in product-led growth and like approaching things and from that side but that could yeah it could consist of developers or marketers like product marketers or um product managers so yeah i'm still still having challenges with that um in mm-hmm. in honesty and and yeah it, it can be um quite difficult so i'm working on you know some things there building relationships in the space like specifically the kind of product-led uh, growth space and trying to come at it from that angle it's a it's a slower um like i guess the main thing i'm focusing on is this seo and relationship building side of things mm-hmm. and kind of like getting ourselves in the mix in the conversation as one of the um the go-to onboarding tools um but it, it takes time and so it's like luckily i'm i'm I have time and like, it's not like I've taken funding and had to be rushing through, uh, rushing to get product market fit and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, it's kind of a more fun approach to it than, I don't know, maybe just direct outreach to thousands of people like on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and emails, like cold outreach kind of stuff. Um, I, I find like for me, it's important to work on things that, energize me a bit and like and 
are a little more, I don't know, just like, yeah, that don't kind of detract and like burn you out when you don't see the results that you want. So, yeah. Yeah, they used to be draining for me. Like I used to do some direct calls for my other products and it was just, you know, it'd be so hard. First, it would be hard to get people on the phone and then it would be hard to send, you know, once you're on the phone, sort of you're, you're, you know, I would find myself selling the whole time which I didn't do it right. You know, I had to probably go more in the angle of learning what their needs are and sort of like seeing if they fit with the product. It was super draining. Like I didn't get anywhere with it. And I know what you mean, you know, but, you know, just trying it and then not knowing exactly if that's the right channel, if that's going to be sort of be scaling down the line. Uh, one thing I like about B2B, which, you know, from time to time, I'm craving going back to it. Right now, Block Static is mostly B2C. Uh, it's, the person blogging and sending emails, like that's it, which is great. You know, like I have one use case to talk to. Uh, the difference with, between B2C and B2B is that the uh, price point is more sensitive. So, you know, like he has to be cheaper in a way. Um, they're expecting a lot of free stuff. So you have to get a lot of users in order for sort of your, your funnel, uh, for lack of a better word, to make sense. Uh, in B2B, one great thing that I experienced is that clients wouldn't drop that often. Like they would stay for about two years at least. Uh, they didn't care about price as much as long as the product did what they wanted it to do for them. And that was really cool. But, you know, like crossing the hurdle of selling in and get more, getting more similar clients, like that was the hardest thing uh, for me. Uh, one idea that I, you know, I was thinking about a couple of, uh, I think before New Year's, and I had tweeted about it too. Uh, and I think Ruben Gomez did this, um, is going uh, about a product. So if you if you want to search about something new to work on, is searching for sort of SEO, uh, sort of, you know, high volume, low competition, long tail keywords, and then starting a product from there. Sort of like, you know, not having an idea or like an interest in an industry, but just sort of looking what people are searching for and maybe somebody's not serving that search just yet and sort of you capitalizing on it early on, which is interesting. You know, I've never done it. I would love to have the time and energy to potentially down the line, try that, which, you know, seems pretty cool because SEO, if you own SEO, the first page or, you know, a couple of first uh, search results, even if it's like low, uh, it could do, you know, miracles for the product because people coming from Google, they're like super high intent. Even I've tried some paid ads before, and that is that has worked uh, too. Um, so yeah, uh, it's interesting, you know, hearing you talk about all these things which I've gone through with my B two B product, and they're all hard, you know. Uh, so yeah. with that, like, what is next? Uh, what what is next for Hopscotch? Um, are you continue, continuing with it? Are you uh, sort of marketing it better or new channels? Maybe getting a co founder. Yeah, so I mean, I totally agree with with everything you were just just saying there as well. Um, and yeah, what's next? Um, I mean, it's interesting. So I'm still in this place where we're we're not a profitable like company yet, and so it's it's not the only thing that I I'm doing for you know bringing in revenue. I still have to juggle like doing some freelancing throughout the year. So um, yeah, at this point, I'm working with some clients um to be honest like um and get mm -hmm. getting the bills paid and i, I like to do that in, right. in kind of like um i don't know 
a big chunk um, and try and get it out of my way for the year if I can. Um, and what that kind of lets me do is like I don't build anymore on hopscotch uh, during mm -hmm. that time. And I don't worry about like new features and stuff. I just worry about kind of more yeah, marketing activities and kind of like things that I can actually uh, fit into my day um, because I don't have a lot of time for like the deep work that it requires. So it's kind of good in a sense. Um, but yeah, what I'm doing is kind of working on, on it a bit more passively while I have these, um, these clients. Um, but that is, yeah. So I, I have like some, you know, guest blog post, uh, kind of things coming mm -hmm. out, some other SEO efforts that are, you know, these things can take some time to really like see fruits <laughs> from what you put into right. into it. And so I think I'm going to be kind of like seeing how that goes, like letting those assets drip out. Um, and then, yeah, just see how the traction comes from there. Um, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sold on like, if this is the right fit, um, of, of a company that for a solo person to take on. Um, mm -hmm. when you look at my competitors, like there are a few that are really small teams, but generally it's like companies like AppQs and, uh, intercom product tours like that. They're well-funded. They have sales right. teams. They have a lot that they can kind of be uh, dead. A lot of resources they can be dedicating to this problem. So I am still like working on it, but I think the problems that I'm having are not going to be solved by like new features and whatnot. And so it's kind of more just like, yeah, what what is next is continuing with efforts on kind of like, yeah, just SEO and relationship building within the space um and yeah at the same time uh i'll be doing some client work paying the bills but then i'll probably also be playing around with some other ideas and talking to potential customers kind of in the approach that you were saying of just like what are the what are the big problems that you're having and like how are you solving them right now and and what's going unsolved mm -hmm. and, and having a bit going bit uh a bit more back to the the basics or back to you know the jobs to be done kind of like i don't know maybe there are some tweaks here that are needed whether it's in the messaging or the delivery like how we're solving the problem and um and then kind of just continuing to revisit that because i think it's it's really easy to get stuck with like you said you're just trying to sell your solution to people mm -hmm, yeah. and instead of listening to people and and companies and saying like what is the problem and what's the best way to solve that if you can kind of like throw your existing solution um to the side when you're having those conversations doesn't mean like you're gonna necessarily like go rebuild from scratch but it does give you a bit more freedom to explore and maybe capitalize on some stuff that you would otherwise be blind to um to catching because you're so set on just like this is our offering and this is mm -hmm. you know and and trying to like match everything against that but if you can be listening a bit better um then i think there's opportunity there and so that's advice i'm like telling to myself right now is like being open to it because i don't think yeah. we've unlocked that you know high growth product market fit yet and and i think you know it could be that 
um, there may need to be some tweaks there to to really catch the market with kind of riding a wave, as Justin Jackson would say, mm-hmm. and and trying to find like where is the big wave and what's what's the way to catch that. Yeah, uh, one thing I'm I'm guilty of uh, doing, or rather not doing, is sort of which I would love to do more of is uh, sort of getting the product in front of people in any way possible. Uh, you know, free stuff, listing it, listing it on directories, uh, best product tour apps, or you know, best new apps, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it is. You know, like I think. I think sometimes this is, I'm, I'm guilty of doing this. Like sometimes I want to have my product uh, so polished, like the brand so neatly sort of presented that I might not want to list it everywhere, but like people don't buy like that. Like people buy things when they're reminding, reminded of them so many times, you know, and they might pick you over the competition just because of the fact that they've heard about you more than that, you know, and then maybe because they have they've heard about you more than them, uh, you might seem a little bit more serious. You might seem a little bit that you've been longer in the market, etc. So, I think sometimes you know, especially us indie hackers, like we we stray away from sort of you know putting our product more out there. You know, like if you if we look at ourselves as a person and people, you know, they say you know put yourself more out there. You know, like you just present yourself more. Like sometimes I think we hit our products and we're trying to find ways to sell them. And then some things that are so basic that we can do for free, you know, most of them, like we shy away from. So I want to do more of that, you know, like I want to put my product more out there, give it every chance if I possibly can. And then if it doesn't, you know, sort of catch fire, then I'll say, you know what, like this product is just not right, not the right time maybe for now. Yeah. I think so, um, yeah, there's um, a lot there too. Like you can, um, you can kind of, look at your next buying decision especially if you're mm-hmm. buying any uh product for your SaaS company like if you are buying it or or something like that like just think the next time mm-hmm. that you start buying a product like take yeah. note of your own patterns um right and see what you're doing because realistically you're not going to a landing page scrolling down hitting the buy button and like then you subscribe mm-hmm. for like a month for the next whatever like a few years like that's just not how it works Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when most people are kind of going to have you know 20 tabs open they start going down they go past like page one they maybe go to page two of the google results and and they're opening those in separate tabs and oh they go search it they search like best product tours but then they add reddit at the end because that's where the real meat is and Mm -hmm. so if you're not in those conversations then you're you know yeah it's kind of what is uh hubspot has coined as the surround sound approach um Mm -hmm. and yeah hat tip to ruben again for like kind of showing me a bit of that um like kind of leading me to that uh that approach because yeah it just got me thinking more about like yeah how are people actually buying and so what i've been focusing on is trying to get on more of of those lists you know the top Mm -hmm. onboarding tools top product tours tools and and if i can't get onto those lists then at least trying to you know um like create my own assets that might one day rank and it's and it's a balance of like juggling those because like really it's harder to create your own original content and then rank it versus getting onto the 
the existing results that but you have to mm -hmm. totally you have to navigate that in a, a way that is like intelligent really because if you're looking at the top results for best product tours like it might be number one is like your direct competitor number two is like you know a another SaaS company in a similar space but then they have you know a list of product tours because they're probably using that as their own way to link build back to themselves and like uh -huh. these things that you don't really think of at first in in the content world and then number three might be like a, a list uh, or it might be going to um g2 or capterra and like if you're not listed in there then again you're just not in enough places like in those places where people are going to see you and so really it's like you know find what those results are take note of what shape the content is like is it a listicle is it more long form blog content is it video pops up sometimes for these things and so noting what they are and then reaching out to those people building relationships trying to see like what you can do for them um what you can you know try to like scratch their back first and like you know oh hey i'm gonna include you on a blog post of like best whatever's and then you know eventually ask for a favor back in return like i, I feel like mm -hmm. that's it's a long difficult approach but it's something that i'm realizing is like really helpful i've learned a lot about this in and it goes back to logo joy when i was working there and seeing what the content team was was doing how they were executing you put together like your list of targets for whether it's going to be like oh maybe we'll pitch them on writing a guest post or maybe they have a post already and we'll um but we need to have an affiliate program to get on their uh their right. list like those kinds of things and then taking out prioritizing those and then starting your plan and that plan can't just be like hey you have a, a list of best things like add me to it you know that right. that's <laughs> right. everyone's busy everyone is like doing stuff like they have their own things on the go so if you can like introduce value create value for them i think that's like probably the biggest lesson i've learned in SaaS or anything like building a business on the internet is like go help people first and foremost whether it's for free or not or whatever like go and do something for them and they're going to be much more inclined to to help you in return so i've been just trying to build a lot of like goodwill and it's a slow grind right um but it's one that yeah you do see the results over time like i've been working on hopscotch just about a year now um i don't think we were even like public a, a year ago or at least released um and so you know it feels super long to me uh because i'm like oh it's like taking forever to grow this thing but at the same time you're like that's that's not a super long time and so i think this next year is kind of crucial for the success of hopscotch to see what's going to come of it and also just like how putting out all these like i guess helping other people seeing how that kind of comes back a, a bit in the next year will be really interesting um yeah you can't really have expectations around it but you just gotta no, try right. it and like hope for the best in in a way and see if you're riding the right wave no, yeah, and, and speaking of affiliates, I know a lot of uh, SaaS products recently, they've done a, you know quite well with uh, most of their sort of sales coming from affiliate, their affiliate program and then being listed um, in some of the most trafficked sort of affiliates. 
And what I've heard uh, from a couple of friends that have succeeded with it, you need just a few, maybe two or three affiliates who are uh, sort of famous and have a lot of traffic that they can generate. And those are sort of the people to chase down and get listed on their blogs, but they're probably getting requests from all over. So, you know, that's another challenge. But I know that has worked. Uh, one thing recently that I, that I have experiment, experimented with is paid ads. I did some Google ads, mm-hmm. which was super expensive, but with time, it gets smarter and then you get smarter with optimizing it. But the other thing that is sort of uh, proving inexpensive, and I'm doing it from time to time, is sponsoring newsletters, so sort of targeted newsletters. They usually run for like maybe, you know, 100 per one showing and then um and then my daughter is in the background <laughs> so, um and uh you know uh, right now for example i'm uh on january 9th i'll be uh, have i'll have uh, block static in this one newsletter who charges 100 uh per one ad in the newsletter so it goes out on sunday and then uh, it goes out every day, but Sunday is their big day when they sort of uh, write their big newsletter. And then during the week, they have other, I think, another like four newsletters or five until Friday. And for each day, they feature again one of those advertisers from uh, from Sunday. And it costs $100. They have about 180,000 subscribers. And it's super targeted to Blockstatic. And it's, uh, it's bringing some great visits and I've gotten payments from those visits. So uh, conversions. And I, I, I think I'm going to experiment more with that, you know, because newsletters are still in. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah. So uh, that was another, that's one channel that's semi working for me, you know? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll be doing more of that, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you all on all the struggles, you know, B2B and not just the B2B things, you know, just running a product, finding the right channel. Uh, you know, finding the right people who will benefit from your product and then doubling down on that. So, yeah, all those are, are fun. Sometimes I'm thinking, you know, like this thing is so hard. Like, why do we keep doing it? But, I know, man. Yeah. You know, no, I get that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, so often, right? <laughs> it, yeah, it, it yeah. is like there's easier ways to make money. Exactly. I know. <laughs> so. Well, again, it's like I can go and freelance and just like if I did that, right. like for the whole year, I'd be like, laughing or or even like yeah if i just did my freelance thing like and you know had a comfortable life uh in terms of like financially like mm-hmm. and then i could go i don't know snowboarding for the rest of the year or whatever right. like but yeah there's yeah. obviously I something that some stocks or something yeah there, there's just something yeah. in us that drives us to try and create something with a little more leverage maybe with a little more upside than the standard way mm-hmm. and i think I don't know if you're anything like me, which I I'm guessing because we're both founders, we we have a bit of a I don't know, just an urge to create and get things out there, and right. and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It would be hard to imagine just like oh yeah, I'm gonna sit on the beach all day and and um, and be happy just doing that. Like I I think I would I would lose my mind a bit. Um, right. And yeah. so yeah, it's but I at the the same point, it's easy to go too far into it. I think part of like you know it's it's January now in a new year and and it's always a time to like reassess and part of my thinking for this coming year is like not to get so I don't know don't let it affect my mood if like 
customers are taking a right. while and like don't let it i don't know take over your life and like you still should go and enjoy these things like take some time for yourself i took some time over the holidays you know just to enjoy it and go you know like do some snowboarding and and like it's important to to kind of have that balance because otherwise it's a recipe for for burning out and you kind of want to build your business uh like the way that you want to run it start building it that way from the start i think um because it's it's hard to go back if you're used to putting in like 50 60 hours and it's consuming your life like that's not going to change after two or three years but if you can be a little more intentional about like how you're how you're building that business from the start and giving time for yourself family friends and activities hobbies like um i think you can it's gonna take probably more time maybe i don't even know um but yeah it's something i need to remind myself of is just to like slow down like take the pressure off a bit there's it's not a race and and enjoy it because like this stuff is fun and if you're curious then you know enjoy learning these things like paid ads like you're doing or learning about like oh how to optimize sponsoring email newsletters like you you can mm -hmm. just have more fun along the way just by driving 10 kilometers slower you know what i mean like and enjoying right. the sights yeah. rather than like trying to speed the whole way and uh and you miss everything like the journey is is part of it so we, we we'd be better served to just um soak it in at a reasonable pace and and hopefully it'll pay off in the long term yeah, and it helps uh, what you said before, you know, like you're, you're doing, you have clients on the side, you're doing freelance, and I think that balances out. I do the same. I have a, I have two clients right now. For one of them, for both of them, I'm building CRMs, which I love. Nice. Uh, so, you know, that's like a nice balance because they like everything I do. Like they're the only buyer, <laughs> you know, whereas in your product, you have like all these people that are coming in. Some are maybe not liking the product, some are buying, but then, you know, if you're, if that's your only focus, and you're the, sort of like a solo founder, it's super easy to get down on yourself, like why it's not moving faster. So like, I like balancing it out with like client work who, you know, who know what they want, uh, sort of tasks are super clear. Like I get to deliver what they need and I get paid on time. So that sort of balances it out. It's, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. great when they kind of, when you can do this and be paid as an expert for, because again right. it's it kind of scratches that product itch a bit that we have as founders like because you mm -hmm. you want to do what you're good at you want to do what you're which is maybe programming and that side of things and um but like you're not necessarily rewarded for doing that in your own company but if you can do that for others who really desperately like there's a huge need for developers great developers then then mm -hmm. you can get that from from freelancing and client work and then save some of your like brain capacity for the marketing and like i don't know more um just like tougher work i i don't want to say tougher work but more um different kinds of work for for your business and kind of like i don't know get the fulfillment from different sources you don't need to get it all from your business just yes. like you don't need to yeah, get exactly. all of your life's or kind of like personal brand from your business you can get it from hobbies and activities and things that you do you can mm -hmm. yeah just pull it from other places and and yeah i mean it's kind of work-life integration and if you can like i think it's more and more common as we're going into the future that people are going to be making revenue from different sources not just having like one job or one owning one business and 
and kind of like if you can start managing that and understanding where you go to solve certain problems or to like you know this Mm -hmm. is how i go and make money and then this is how i go and like have fun and and if you can understand yourself better in that way then maybe sets you up for um just being happier and like you know enjoying it a bit more no absolutely uh you know like you said it perfectly man like way back a couple years ago more than a couple years ago like five six years ago like I was so all in in like with one product, like I almost lost my mind trying to sell it and make it a success. And now I'm more like, yeah, I have block static, which is going well, but I have this other thing, which is going well. And I have this other thing. So if, if I continue automating all these things and I have like different sort of sources of income, I don't have to like sort of be, you know, fully in in one thing and then have all my being dependent on it, like all my identity, like sort of, like I am this product because that's all I do. It's like, no, I have all these other things, you know, Yeah, ex- which brings yeah, me to totally. like one of the things, you know, that you do, which I, I absolutely love, like your photography. Like I wanted to talk about that a bit. Um, if you can, like, you know, where, where does that come from? Like, did you study it? I studied photography. So like when I look at your photography, I'm like, this shit is like gallery quality, you know, like I want to <laughs> know more that's, about that. Like that's super kind. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I still feel like just a complete amateur in it. I, I didn't study it at all. I didn't really know how to use okay. the, an SLR or anything until recently. Funny enough, like I bought a camera um, maybe like, what? I don't know, in in the spring or something when I was like, okay. Oh, wow. Something just fell outside my, my window. Here. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, I bought a camera. Um, I bought a camera in around the spring. And the main intention mm-hmm. or purpose of that was so that I would start like recording some how-to videos for hopscotch and those kinds of things. You know, it got I wanted and better webcam quality for like doing uh like interviews and those kinds of things online. And and so when I got this like Sony camera and you know research, found a lens, got the nice lighting and all that. And like I know, I mean, what they say when you is like just start with the equipment you have. And I totally did not do that. I just went and kind of got all this equipment. But I was like, okay, well, if I'm getting this, then I, I at least need to like, or like I have I have it already. I should just go and like start taking some pictures and like, I don't know, enjoy trying to figure that out. Oh, you still there? No, no, I'm listening. Oh, okay, yeah, totally. Sorry. Like, so- you know, like some of them... Some of them you post on um, on Twitter. I don't know if you have like a gallery anywhere else online. I don't know what these days people use for like online galleries. Yeah, mostly I'm just um, using Instagram uh, for... Okay. But a lot of pictures I end up just... They live in my computer and uh, or they're <laughs> okay. still on rolls of film. Um, but yeah, basically I got that camera, started taking a bunch of pictures and, and fell pretty hard into it. I do this with quite a few <laughs> of my hobbies where I just like... I don't know. I I don't know what it is, but I just go all in and kind of like get really excited about a thing and research it and watch all the YouTube videos, read books on it. And and it's just like, again, kind of a fun way to like not stay focused on work all the time because it's, it's easy to let that take over that side of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just started doing that. And it's been a, a bit of a rabbit hole. Like then I got introduced to film photography and started shooting film on this like old camera and then i got another film camera and like um 
but I think like in terms of like how it how I got better at it was just like taking that camera that first camera out and just shooting thousands of photos like going out almost every day and shooting a few hundred photos like because you can you just go and keep your eye out and like I look back at the stuff that I was taking pictures of just trying to figure out how the camera works and like I I don't know it's like not great but then you start developing a better eye over time I still like don't I don't know I still go out and I'm like I don't even know what I'm doing and then you get lucky here and there but um but it's it's fun I I mean I really enjoy doing it because again you it's easy to like just get stuck in your day-to-day and stuff but if you go out with just you and the camera like you're not checking your Mm -hmm. phone you're going out and you're listening you're observing you're like seeing what's around you and and being like intentional like oh that sliver of light coming through those buildings is is beautiful and it it like helps you appreciate the stuff that's in your day-to-day around you that otherwise goes unnoticed by so many people and i absolutely like am so thankful that i found this because a walk down the street to get groceries can just be something magical now because i'm i'm seeing like beautiful light or or like a cool scene that that i can capture um and it just it goes into like how i don't know it's all like how you perceive what you're doing you know if you're too focused on like the outcome of like oh i need to go get groceries like i'm just gonna like oh it's so long there's so much traffic on the way here or like it's whatever but like if you're just like enjoying the whole ride there or like walking uh and taking photos and like i don't know soaking in your environment it's just yeah for me it's like a lot of fun so i think it's taught me a lot um about just how to enjoy life you know not even technical photography stuff like it's taught me a lot in just how how to live and like listen a bit more to mm-hmm. to my surroundings yeah camera does see things differently i used to shoot film uh, in black and white and then develop it myself uh, and it was just amazing you know just going back to the dark room and just looking at the film and then not even sometimes not even remembering like the shot that i've taken like i'm like oh okay so yeah that's so cool you know, the, yeah like the light on this one like you said you know like or the composition on this one is just insane so yeah like uh you know photography is something that i miss a lot like i I, I'm sad to say, like, I don't even have a decent camera anymore. Like I, I also want to give back to it, but it's good to like, you know, like live, I guess, through other people's sort of creations. Like, you know, like I look at your photos, I'm like, this is amazing. Like it's something I'd like to shoot, but then we can't do it all. Like, you know, I can't build a product and do this and do that. So like, I have to, maybe later on I'll get back to it. But uh, yeah, man, this, this is, you know, I, we can go on and on. I know like when we talk, like we go on for so long. Thank you so much for uh, for coming onto the show and sharing, you know, about you, about Hopscotch, about your, you know, how you came about uh, being a developer, being a product person, and then your photography. I really enjoyed this conversation. And I hope you come back again in a couple of months, in a year or so. And then, you know, maybe let us know more about, you know, what, what you're up to how your products are doing, et cetera. So thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, yeah, I would love to come chat with you again awesome. sometime and wishing you the best of luck this year too with uh, everything you're building. Yeah, it's going to be a fun year. Yes, it will. Hopefully, hopefully COVID is over and then, you know, we forget about this thing. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah.
All right, man. Uh, talk to you soon then. Later.